This device isn't a spaceship. It's a time machine. Goes backwards, forwards. Takes us to a place where we ache to go again. It's not called the wheel. It's called the carousel. Hello, welcome to the Carousel Podcast. This is Isaac Simpson. Uh, I am here recording on the hurricane day in LA. There's a hurricane, hurricane Isaac. outside the window. The sky is gray. It's gray colored. There's trillions of gallons flowing from the sky. No, like nothing is happening at all. There was like light rain for five seconds. And well, remember you were you were you have televised or you you have covered yeah. a hurricane in the past. I have. So you are Hurricane Isaac. You, Dude, you know what you're talking about. I went through Ian on the beach in the Florida Keys, category five. Full All right, force. listeners, listeners, listeners. Let me tell you a story. Can I? Can I? Can I just jump in here? Can I just can go we ahead introduce you first? Can we introduce you first? This is this, this is, is Poldek, <laughs> this is Poldek Tonteg of Urbit and Blimpdow and okay. Blimpdow, Subcomandante of Blimpdow. Um, the combine on Twitter, or did you change? Are you still the combine? No, I, I'm 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 just Poldek Tonteg now. I'm oh, streamlining the brands. Um, good, good. <laughs> I had a consult, uh, did a consult, did a 50 grand consult. They decided to, to collapse the brands into one. Yeah, there you, but let me tell you, worth every penny. Worth every listeners. Year. Let me tell you a story about <laughs> Isaac Simpson, which is okay. Isaac and I were together in Miami, Miami for you, Latinos. Um, Miami. Um, and we were there for Urban Assembly, the previous Urban Assembly. The next one's going to be in Lisbon in 2023 or in, uh, uh, October of 2023. Um, but we were there and like, I think that I found out that the hurricane was coming almost by accident. And someone's like, are you going to leave before the hurricane? And I was like, Ooh. and so I just sort of missed the whole thing and was stranded in a Miami hotel watching Columbo or something for several days. <laughs> but, but Isaac decided that what he was going to do was to take, was to go into the eye of the hurricane <laughs> yes. metaphorically and maybe literally yeah. uh, by going down to the keys and that's where he recorded his now famous tiktok footage of hurricane yeah, ian right. so he knows famous. what he talked he's nobody's he's talking about yeah very famous, famous. <laughs> uh it, it, yeah no it was true man i i went through a hurricane like full force i mean we weren't exactly in the eye but we got hit by like the actual hurricane on a how in-house on the beach so I remember literally you, on the beach, and the, I remember the, you sending me pictures of the beach bar, of the tiki bar, of yeah. sitting in the tiki bar. That was the best. Well, the hurricane, the the sitting in the tiki bar was the best part. The part that sucked was when the actual hurricane hit, and we were in the house. We lost power, and the dock got ripped up, and was like running into the house. So literally, it's like the dock is like slamming into the house, and we're trying to sleep. There's no power. That was scary. That was like legitimately scary, and it was like. That was like, oh fuck! Like I shouldn't have done this. This was stupid. so. That's what's gonna happen to you in California. Yeah, like, totally. In the the, wa- the waves are gonna come to Pasadena <laughs> from from the beach. No, people here are complete idiots. But it's like I, I having been. I do feel really good having been through a really severe one because you just kind of like like 
see what a hurricane is like once you've been through one you're kind of like oh i get what a hurricane is yeah whereas yeah. it's like if, if you haven't ever actually been through one you don't really like understand it's like an abstract thing yeah it's kind of like an abstract thing yeah whereas once you've yeah. been through it it's like you kind of understand like how it works and what the nature of a hurricane is well in miami when i was in miami the whole time and it like never really actually made landfall close to miami but it would just like was a flood. I mean, basically, like yeah. a flood. You know, it was yeah, like yeah. a rainy flood, which I guess I didn't really understand. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I remember just being like, oh, now, now well, I get it. Yeah. Right. So that's where I first experienced the power of DeSantis, though. DeSantis power. Um, Did he? Was like, I was like, I was in, I was like, okay, like, I'm impressed actually that you can like have these cities that essentially flood probably three or four times time. a year. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. just like it's totally normal. Yeah. And things were back up and running like it was like nothing. It was yeah. actually very impressive. It was like, oh, shit. Like there's definitely some expertise uh, in hurricane handling, which I'm sure that the mayor of whatever Los Angeles. I'm Pasadena sure Karen ultimate. Bass is <laughs> exactly Karen Bass. Utter, so prepared for any <laughs> exudes, exudes competence for sure. Yeah. She what's she doing right now? She's probably just like asleep. Like literally, like, I actually don't know. I, I know nothing about her. I was, yeah. It's like I, I was hoping that the the um, the Americana guy would win, just because like yeah, dude. You have Caruso. listeners outside of Los Angeles. He's our <laughs> rightful like, mayor, man. Caruso yeah, is. is our rightful mayor. Mayor in exile, Rick Caruso. Yeah. Um. Anyway, all right. So let's talk. You are here because you are part of two organizations, one being Urbit that uh, everybody is constantly curious about and criticizing really and curious. not criticizing. And, you know, and uh, both of us actually have been involved in Urbit propaganda efforts at some level for years, you know. That's how we met. Dude. Yeah, yeah. And since 2017. So we can talk about that. But uh, in the shorter run, you're involved in a cool project called blimp dow mm -hmm. uh that's making rain on that's that's making waves <laughs> like a hurricane <laughs> on exactly. uh, on twitter and so uh yeah tell us what blimp dow is and tell us uh how you're getting the word out about it and like what the story of blimp dow is and, and is it is it a it's, it feels like a joke but it's not a joke like what what is blimp dow let me explain let me explain blimp dow to you um so the origin story of BlimpDAO is that um, I was down in El Salvador um, with Bukele. We were sort of in like a luxurious kind of brothel situation on really? top of a, a <laughs> volcano. Um, uh, there was like guys with face tattoos bringing us tropical drinks, you know, and I was like, give me more fucking pina coladas. <laughs> uh, no. Um, so I was... I was in El Salvador with the rest of the Urbic guys. There was a there was a um, conference down there. Um, it wasn't a volcano though. It was actually really nice. Um, and it took like, you know, getting to San Salvador from the volcano was like a two hour bus ride type thing, small bus. And so you're like, we're kind of like windy roads through this sort of. Uh, it's not quite jungle, you know. It's like actually El Salvador is really not. I thought it was even more tropical. It's actually very beautiful. It's like it's like San Diego in some places. Yeah. Like that. Um, We're both and then, this, um, the, this the the event there right now. The Palestra. Yeah, yeah. Where, where other guys are right now. Um, yeah. Many members of Blimp Tower are there currently speaking with Bukele about uh, luxury blimp 
tourism, which I'll get into in a little bit. Um, and so I was with all these guys, urban guys. We're kind of like hungover, tired. You know, how, so you get kind of like punch drunk, like goofy, you know? Yeah, yeah. And we basically talked about blimps. The, the upshot being was like, you know, this would not be, this would be much better if it were a blimp. If I had like just taken my blimp to the top of the volcano and then left, I wouldn't need to do all this crap, you know? And sort of just talking about, we probably riffed on blimps for like two hours, right? But in this way where it's like you start joking and then you're like, wait a second, it's like actually, it becomes like realer and realer and realer. I said this the other day to, to Marissa from Tlong. It's like, it's one of those things where like you start joking about it and then you start seeing blimps everywhere and you start kind of like <laughs> thinking about, you know what I mean? It, it, it yeah. warms its way into your mind in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I think part of that is because it has this like, um, yeah, it has this this quality to it of a a world that we were um, that existed. Do you know what I mean? I think it's like what's interesting is that like blimps already existed. It's like it it already happened. It's not like this like a speculative thing. They were in the skies for a long time, and then it just all went away. It sort of like got that kind of like. Um, like the movie Wild Wild West starring uh, you know Will Smith there's a guy that kind of like alternative history feeling to it uh, blimps do and so it's sort of interesting because it, it starts as a joke you're like oh, blimps are funny blimp is like a funny word you know it's, it has this kind of like yeah it has like a, a certain ring to it but it's also just you start to think about it and it becomes more it kind of like bewitches you does that make sense like it's it's more like um, engrossing than it should be but it's interesting because yeah, it's sort of like I think there's a lot of stuff that starts as jokes that has that quality. If that makes sense, of course. Yeah, like, I feel like everything it, it warms everything its way in. Way. Yeah, yeah, everything starts. What's that? that? Everything starts like that. Oh, absolutely. Like all all absolutely. good things start as this kind of like crazy joke thing, and then you decide to actually do it. Yeah, and you poke at it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you poke at it and you riff on it with your friends. I mean, this is something that I I remember hearing about. I think the guy's name is David Milch or is that, is that a, he's like a, I forget what TV yeah, shows did, he, he made. Deadwood. He's an amazing. Yeah. 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 Total, yeah, yeah, yeah. total uh, crazy genius killer. And apparently like, but I just remember reading about his writer's rooms and just like yeah. how those ideas came about. And it's just interesting, right? It's like an interesting way to yeah. work through ideas is yeah. this kind of like bullshitting riffing yeah. thing which i think maybe tv people know like take for granted but it's not a thing that everyone else does um yeah the writer's so room sort of model like, the writer's room model that's that's it. i i just read a fantastic book about this i feel like we maybe talked about this called difficult men and it's all no. about uh you got to read this book it's like the best book about creativity i've read in a very long time it's about david milch deadwood uh david um the sopranos guy David uh, Chase, Simon, no, no Simon no. And, and David Simon's three David. Oh shit, that's and, David and, and shocking, uh, of course. Well, it's Chase is not a Jew; he's an Italian. But uh, David Simon, who did The Wire, and like this heyday of of uh, great, you know, American TV. Yeah, and it's all rooted in this writers room thing. And Milch did the weirdest shit, dude. He, yeah, his writers yeah. room. He he had a process where even after the writers room it would be time for him to edit somebody's script that they like sent him. Yeah. And he would take all the hot young chicks working on the production. And there's always a million of them. He would yeah. take only them into a dark room and have them sit. <laughs> this is literally true. 
have him, have them sit on a couch behind him, like on okay. a ring couch, and he would lay down on the floor on like a on like a reclining like mat, like like a but like a fancy reclining mat, and he this would is amazing. He would project onto a screen him editing the script. And they would all like watch him live edit the script. And like, he would say stuff and they would like comment back. It, that's a, amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. That, that's amazing. <laughs> and, and, and people criticize him for it for so long. And he would just be like, well, no, no, no. you can't understand this. Yeah, you don't like, understand. This is how I do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's definitely something to that, you know, because it's like you have like, well, okay. Well, it's like in the writer's room concept, you just have that kind of like, this is a question I've had for a long time about fashion labels. You know, it's like, how do they maintain their like um, cohesion? Yeah. yeah if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. With the fact that many people work on this. I mean, fashion is like, um, yeah, it's like a movie yep. in a lot of ways. And like a lot of people are involved. It's not like it's like one person doing their thing. So I'm like interested in that idea. Like how do you take a, a cohesive idea that really comes from like one person or a group of people and scale it. And that's also like a propaganda question as well. It's actually a very interesting propaganda question too. Cause you're like, how do you scale the, the idea into all these different products, you know, or different manifestations, let's say without it getting watered down. Yeah. You know? yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so I think I remember hearing about this, like fashion people would do, do a similar thing to writer's rooms. I think a lot of houses do that where it's sort of like, you have the um, you have people generate their own versions of your idea or, or the, the main idea. They kind of like do their own little thing on it. And then you kind of like, I don't know, like coalesce it back together. Yeah. yeah and yeah, it's like by doing that, you're taking the sort of shared energy of everyone and you're making it into one thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. It's, and it's interesting because you're like, I bet it's quite literal, like the energy, like, you know, it's like, it's like, so I can imagine like, you need like young people to do, I mean, honestly, even just like in Blimpdow, we have a whole bunch of guys who are young, you know, they're like zoomers, young zoomers. Yeah. And it's like that energy that they bring to it is so important. You know, even if it's just like at the level of what the kind of stuff they generate is, you know? And so I think it's actually like a huge benefit to have different ages together, you know, because they come at it with all these different ways. Um, and I can imagine like in, in the coalescing process that like Milch was doing, it's like having the energy of those younger people has some, you know, kind of like intangible effect. I yeah, mean, and oh, it may for, or it may just be like, you don't want to be embarrassed. You don't want to embarrass yourself in front of all these chicks. So you're trying to like yeah. do the best you can. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. 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 You know, some do that. Um, no, I think that that's really true, but hold on. But what, what did this have to do with? How did we get on this path? Oh, blimped out. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you. How, were, why, so, why were you saying this? And with regards? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, it's like the origin of blimped out was essentially, I would say, like this writer's room. Oh, yeah, about right. Just yeah. the blimp concept, right? And it's and it kind of like extended and became like an online writer's room, if that makes sense. Where it's like, you know, um, like on Urbit. A lot of it's on Urbit, but then we also have like these tendrils into Twitter. So we sort of like do this thing where we'll like talk about it on Urbit and then test the message on Twitter. Kind of like like put up the trial balloons on Twitter, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's like also related to this thing that we um, – so balloons are clearly a meme, right? It's a meme just if it's a joke, right? It's like clearly a meme. 
Um, and many memes are jokes, but not all jokes are, you know, you know what I mean? Like it's very related. Um, but I think one thing that's interesting is that like, I'm very interested in this idea of meme first engineering. So it's like, there's all these things that like people think if something's a meme, that means it's not real. Right. Which I think is false. Something can be real and a meme, right? It's just, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like normal marketing. People tend to think that like either there's a kind of business that's only marketing, which is Zara's telling you a tube top for 40 bucks and it's worth one cent, right? And it's like, so it's all marketing. It's all, all narrative. It's all brand. It's all this. Or it's like a real quote unquote real thing, right? In which case it's like a John Deere tractor and that sells itself. Does that make sense? Especially like technical people think this way. There's kind of like this gulf. And so if you start doing like narrative and branding and marketing and and perception um, management, let's say. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like then you're kind of like foregoing realness. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, the, that's, this is what like tech people tend to think. Yeah, yeah. which is utterly false. It's so and I think false. Yeah, it's, it's not like it's stupid. It's basically like, to me, it's like the sign of someone being like naive. It's well, not like it's actually. Not, I, I mean, it's not. No, totally, it's stupid. I mean, it is. It is like it's funny that both Musk and, um, uh, man, my brain is not working today. Musk and Bezos, uh, are they both totally hated advertising for this exact reason? You know, both of them swore off advertising for a really long time. Yeah, and then both eventually came around to it. And I think well, it's because I mean, you're right. Is, like, like tech people just inherently have this prejudice. idea. Yeah, they, they think if you're, ta- you know, building a narrative or something, or if you're branding something, you're just adding fluff and it's yeah, pointless. Yeah. And there's there's no yeah. there's no actual value in it at all. Well, the thing that's interesting, there's two interesting things. Like one is that like it's just a prejudice, and so they ended up call- they end up calling it something else, which just obfuscates that they are doing marketing. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And it's just annoying. It's just like it's just like an annoying, stupid. Like yeah. I don't know. I-, I think it's like literally stupid. Um, it's an affectation. <laughs> Is what well, I mean, it, you know. it, it, and it's not the thing is that I just want to like be clear. It's not stupid because they're. It's not stupid because like, in a way they're right. Like in a way, it, it is bullshit. If your product sucks and you paint a, it's lipstick on a pig, right? If you yeah. paint a bunch yeah. of shit on a shitty product, then you are doing something wrong, right? The the problem 100%. that they're that they're not understanding is that. Painting shit on a good product is also bad. You know, like look, look at what yeah, yeah, yeah. Musk is doing with X or it's fucking yeah. sucks. You know, it's a horrible brand and it's, it, it, it's not, you're just adding ugliness to the world. You know, all you're well, doing is adding I, ugliness to the world. I don't even, so, so basically it's like everything is rhetoric. Okay. Everything is persuading someone of something. There's no facts. There's only narratives, right? This is just true of reality. This has nothing to do with like a preference. And so even when you get down to like the most like whatever, just like seemingly factual, um, like real politic decision, right? Like I'm thinking about the instruction set of the chip I'm going to use and which fabricator I'm going to, which fab I'm going to buy from in China. It's like, in that room selling that thing is some guy that the guy that, that like the, the, that some vendor likes better yes. than some other guy. Yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely. The, like, it's yep. actually, it's, it is a totally, it's a totally 
um, yeah, I mean, I, it's hard to find a word besides stupid, meaning it's like it's like it is a total naive idea that there yeah. are decisions that are made that are not driven by narratives. Yeah, it's just that some of those narratives are overt. And for lots of people, some of them are small and for a few people, but that's all it is. And that's like thing is like you look at anybody who's anything in the like technology, quote unquote, industry, and they know that like what made Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs is not some like. I don't know, minor feature. It's that he understood that the perception of Apple products was going to sell Apple products. Totally. And I mean, it's like, so, so that's what I mean. So, so anyway, this is back to blimp now. It's like blimps are both a narrative and a real thing that could fly in the sky. It's like, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's not, um, you don't have to pick one. Does that make sense? And, and so it's, it's like a lot of what I'm, interested in is taking these kind of like because actually there are people building blimps right now like sergey brin yeah one of the google founders it's like it's so this is actually happening you know we kind of like stumbled into the zeitgeist but there's a lot of renewed interest in this so the problem is not that with like the blimp industry is not that there's not enough blimps being made it's that there's no demand for it because there's not a narrative around it yeah. Does that make sense? So it's like yeah. it's like it's so it's like you could imagine Sergey Brin just spending hundreds of millions of dollars to do the same mistake that engineers everywhere do, which is to make a thing that works and no one gives a shit because yeah. it's no there's no narrative for it. And so the thing is, is like a lot of this kind of what we said in that bus was I want to live in a world where little kids want to pilot blimps. And how yeah. do you get that? <laughs> you don't get that by like worrying about screws and lift weight and how much you don't get that right you get that with like video games and with memes and with this kind of like you know some sort of like serialized romance book that stars a blimp captain you know and even the ravaging women or it's like it's like that's how you get demand not by uh farting around with the fundamentals yeah which people are doing and we support you know but it's just like you got to attack it from both sides absolutely so what is actually happening with blimp let's get to the what is the actual goal? I mean, is there is there a DAO? I mean, like, what's the what's the basics of the project? And, and so, what does it have to do with Urbit, also? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, what it has to do with Urbit is pretty like straightforward, and that all of our organization happens on Urbit, and that's a. Poor. That's like our. Um, be suited to that because Urbit is great for these small groups that can do like all all kinds of stuff um, in this maybe pseudonymous thing. So there's plenty of people blimped out that I've never met that I have no idea who they are, but they do all kinds of contribution to the project. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's sort of like the Urbit tie-in is just as simple as that for right now. Meaning that Urbit is where you is where the main group is. It's where you get all the alpha about new things happening and where we coordinate all of our stuff. So it's actually pretty simple right now. In the near future, we're going to do more stuff that is technical orbit integration. So um, that's that's on the roadmap. But for right now, it's just kind of like where where we organize everything. Um, and so, uh, in terms of what we're, I mean, the 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 goal really is to have be part of a renaissance of lighter than air travel, right? I mean, if you think about it, just like zoom yourself forward fifty years. It's like you could live in a world where you're not 
going to an airport in order to fly to Phoenix, right? It's like you literally can moor a blimp anywhere. We could live in a world where it's like that's the, and the 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 actual in-flight experience is not like of cattle being put on a city bus, you know, because it, it could be spacious and blah, blah, blah. And that's all stuff that has existed in the past. It only doesn't exist now purely because of like mind shackles, right? Because the narrative changed, not because it's not possible. This is like, this was state of the art, like I said, before World War II. So there's really no reason this kind of stuff couldn't exist again. So let's talk about those mind shackles, as as you said. Yeah. What, what, why do we have this negative perception of blimps? Well, I mean, it's interesting because I have this like um, I have this test that maybe you'd be interested in, um, okay. which is about like conspiracy theories. Okay. Um, basically, what's interesting about conspiracy theories is not the substance of the conspiracy theory um because it's like who cares if the earth's flat who cares if evolution is real who care it doesn't matter it actually doesn't matter right? it shouldn't matter what someone else thinks about that stuff right and so it's like what's interesting about makes conspiracy theories interesting is the response that you get when you question something does that make sense yep. like if I say the Dodgers suck. You're like, well, you might have some sort of minor disagreement with me, but you're like, ultimately, that's my problem. You, you know what I'm saying? And if you say, but if I say like the earth is flat or mountains or trees or whatever, it's like people get, they get weird about it, right? It's like, like they, they're obviously threatened by it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I think is just from like a, from like a persuasion, propaganda, rhetorical angle is very interesting. Because you're like, why do some things when you're disagreed with incite no response and some things incite like a visceral, like I'm angry response. It's like, it's just to me, that's very interesting because it means that like on a subconscious level, the person who's getting angry knows that that narrative is like a load bearing narrative. What do you mean load bearing? Like something will collapse if people don't think this. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. Does that make sense? That's that's a good way to that's a good way to say that. Yeah, it's like they think that there's some yeah, there's some like important part of society that is reliant on this belief. Yeah, it, which yeah, is yeah, which is yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you think about it, it's like that's very bizarre. If you really think that the only thing holding society together is like the belief in a round or spherical earth like what do you think it's, it's interesting to think about right well because, and i said that that's covid was such a great example of this right yeah exactly you had this exactly. newly manufactured belief that it, it, it needed to like bear this load right and like that's why it created two sides so strongly because the people who like want to hold up the load were like stop Stop questioning. Like we, you know, we yeah, just yeah, need yeah. to fucking just shut the fuck up. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Which yeah, is exactly. actually, you know, that helps me to actually. I've never thought about it this way, and that really does help me to understand those people a little better. You know, because oh, yeah, they're yeah, they're yeah. almost just like just shut the fuck up, man. Just like just you know, just like don't question this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah, we're yeah. trying to get through this thing. Like, stop, stop worrying about it. You know, which is you know, in smaller groups, I I relate exactly. To, you know? It's it's yeah. actually a kind of like yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a necessary. Uh, yeah, it's instinct. a necessary thing in a lot of ways. Yeah, because you can't just have everybody not believing everything all the time. You know, hundred percent. And so it's and, and it's like most of us like have no empirical way to evaluate our beliefs. Yeah. We don't. 
And so we get them from other people and blah, blah, blah. So I said, the average person who doesn't believe in a conspiracy or, you know, let's say, you know, uh, round earth versus flat earth. It's like none of us have tested or know or even understand the substance of like, I don't. um, And so it's sort of like, and and so it's an interesting question about what's being threatened here. That's usually the thing that I, so I, I like to think about that because it's like when analyzing someone's beliefs, it's better to analyze like, why what they get from holding them mm-hmm. yeah. as opposed to the facts because like right. i mean yeah. he's a shit about the facts right like so it's like if you hold this belief then you're a polite member of society or you're this or you're that or it's like you have another belief that you premise on this belief in which case like you realize that if someone questions your sort of like fundamental belief then your other belief is and maybe you get your money from that other belief so you don't really it's just it's just like all that stuff happens in someone's mind, like yeah. the moment you question a belief. Yeah. Right. Well, and it also and I think it, to like dumb people, you know, like, you know, what's the thing? It's like, it's very difficult for an average person to have two competing things in their brain at the same yeah. time. Right. They, it's because like, it's that's, like, that's uncomfortable for them. It's, yeah, it's like causes right? pain. Yeah. It's like, right. Like they can't really deal it. Yeah. Well, well, it's like, I mean, and the, the, the reality is that like a lot of these kind of like consensus behaviors, which are good for society because it's like allows people to focus on other things, right? It's like, it's like if you're, if you're going through life questioning the fundamental realities of your life, like that's not a good use of your time for most people. Um, and so it's like, but what has happened is that like the, the, the mechanisms for installing those consensus narratives yeah has been hijacked for the purpose of selling people shit and well that's and, that, and that's also been hijacked by idiots that's the problem it's like as i always say it's not that we're being manipulated it's that we're being manipulated poorly like do you like do you see i just watched the video of de blasio trying to get people to take the vaccine and he was like he had this burger and he was like if you like the cheeseburger you like the vaccine? You get you get a free cheeseburger. And it was like so fucking cynical. And it was like clearly speaking of a writer's room, it was clearly like made up in a writer's room of people who just hate normal people. And they're like, yeah, they're yeah, idiots. Yeah. They like cheeseburgers. Yeah. Just give them a fucking yeah. cheeseburger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's the problem. It's like it's not that the I think you're right. It's like we need these load bearing beliefs. The problem is the people giving them to us have become so cynical and so bad at it that they yeah, don't, I, I, you know, they don't actually care anymore. And they're just like, okay, I'm going to say anything. I'm going to do anything and just shut the fuck well, up. I, like, I, I think that like, I agree with you. Um, and I think it's, it's like that people would persuade lots of people of things is like not open for debate. That's just how the world works. Like Wait, what? propaganda what? comes from literally the Catholic Church, right? From yeah. propagare, yeah. Yeah. and it, yeah. and 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 propagare. But the idea is you're propagareing the faith that they took to be true. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's right. like yeah. it's, you're not even doing a bad thing. It's like, which is why, like in 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 um, there's like a, if you believe something is true and you want more people to know about it, that's right. actually not itself cynical you see what i'm saying so it's like it's like a really no that's not cynical so if you think at all. About it. right yeah yeah, yeah. Th- that's it has to be rooted in something like real and like a love for your people this is what i always say about great advertising campaigns like there's no great advertising campaign that's like really d- like a huge trick like it's all rooted in a love yeah. of the product of what it actually really is well 
Well, I think also like you're right that to really convince people of things because what you want, like let's just go back to the religion thing. It's like I want people to believe in the one holy, you know, apostolic faith. Yeah. And I because I believe in it and I want them to believe in it. I know that they're unlettered. There's they're unlikely to come to the conclusions of the faith on their own, right? So I'm basically saving them a whole bunch of work. Let me tell you about this great product, right? And I'm I believe in it. But the thing is, I want them to believe in it so much that they also convince other people, right? That's like the true litmus test. And so to do that, you really need to understand people who you're trying to convince. You really have to understand them pretty deeply, which means you have to like them. I mean, that's the thing. It's, like, it's actually like hard to, to truly, some you, it's really hard to truly understand someone that you don't like. And I think it's also like, it goes both ways, right? It's like, this is why I think that spies and stuff like switch sides because like once you actually understand someone you become you come to like them in a lot of ways like if you have to understand them and so the problem with a lot of propaganda in this day and age is that they actually don't like the people they're trying to sell to yes, yes. so it's actually like just not even they don't even understand the motivational structure and blah blah, blah. okay this is about blimps i swear to god okay, so okay. <laughs> so i mean the answer of course is that like most people would say the hindenburg is the reason that we don't have blimps now. The Hindenburg disaster, right? Which it already, I think it's even called that on Wikipedia. The Hindenburg disaster, right? Which is like, if not an actual op, was definitely a media created tragedy, if that makes sense. Because the, the substance of the Hindenburg quote unquote disaster is very thin. It's like basically like, I think 20 something people died who were all were like crew members on the Hindenburg. I'm almost certain no civilians died because a, 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 a blimp actually goes down very slowly, you know, and, and it doesn't actually, the part that people are in doesn't explode. Right. So it's sort of like you can, it's easy to really get out, get away, um, parachute out and stuff like that. But um, so it's really all in the interpretation of the fact that there was a, there was a transportation accident there. I mean, like you could, there's a great Twitter account called Ban Planes. Like you could go on Ban Planes and you can see how many plane accidents there are every year, how many how many traffic fatalities there are, how many train fatalities, et cetera. And so it's like it's not even close to the scope. Well, but right? can you just tell us what the story of the Hindenburg even is to begin with? Because okay, so the Hindenburg was. I mean, so this is what it gets down to it. What the Hindenburg was was a huge industrial victory for Germany. Right, that's really what it was. Is that they had this Zeppelin fleet that allowed you to fly between the United States and Europe in a few days. Right, it wasn't like transit. It wasn't like a jet. It took a few days, but it was essentially being on a cruise ship, and it could moor anywhere. So it's so essentially it like, a cruise ship. It's like a cruise ship that can go over the land and moor anywhere. And so you're talking about like a couple of days floating up there in the air. Yeah. And and how many people did it have like these blimps? I think the big ones like the the ones that the Hindenburg was like I think 100 something passengers um and then crew. Passengers. So actually yeah. less than an airplane. Yeah, at this point less than a big airplane but operating yeah. them was much cheaper. So that's the thing also is like they were very cheap to operate yeah. comparatively. It's just floating, um, uh, it's like floating a balloon up there basically. Yeah, and and you don't have to build airports. It's just like even even the kind of like economic argument is stupid right because the airports require an insane amount of 
urban planning. You can't just be like, oh, I'm going to put an airport here. It's like, oh, well, good luck. And the taxpayer is paying an insane amount of money to yeah. get the airport there, blah, blah, staff it, et cetera. It's just like, an, it's just like not even comparable. And um, so, uh, what, what's the, is there like, uh, are they going above the clouds? It's actually, re it really is. When you start to think about this, it's actually fucking awesome. That's like, I I'm can't believe you, we don't do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's so, amazing. So, so, like, is it above the clouds or is it below the, is there like a weather risk? No yeah, I mean, there's weather risk with that. I mean, you can avoid it, but I, I, I think that the 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 way you would do it is like similar to. Um, so the way that you would do it nowadays is you would do a combination of, and I, I'm not sure if they did this back in the day because like it's actually hard to get information about how blimps were piloted or like you know rigid airships and stuff. But um, basically, like a weather balloon, well, the way a weather balloon or a hot air balloon moves navigates is just by currents right so they actually just control their altitude up and down and catch a current that is going the right direction if that makes wow. sense so with a blimp you'd probably do the same thing so it's sort of like um it's like similar like having a um like a sailboat that has an outboard motor so it's like you know you can basically use the currents for a lot of it and then every once in a while you have to like use the engines to get it exactly you know because if you've ever docked a sailboat it's a much easier under motor power than it is under sail right so it's like yeah. you kind of do a combination of those things but you can see that's like basically free i mean it's not like this huge I mean, airplane i mean if you're into the whole promethean energy thing it's fine but it's just like it's a huge amount of outlay of energy manpower mm -hmm. money etc it also sucks there's something it's a terrible experience there's something satanic about planes no absolutely it's you always feel like shit you get off a plane yeah. you feel like complete fucking shit you get well, off a train you actually you feel great you get off a train your you're soul, like oh this is the best you know your soul can't travel plane. that fast yeah uh, so like jet lag is actually if i get yeah, jet lag is actually Israel. Yeah, you, your mismatch between your soul catching up yeah. with your body. It's you very shouldn't go bad. that fast. It's very no. bad. If I, I will go, if I get rich enough, I will go full John Madden. I will never fucking step in an airplane. I will only blimp, drive. I'll, I'll take I'll take boats if there's no blimps, but there should be blimps. So <laughs> well, this is the guy what I'm saying. So so, yeah. so the idea you back to the blimp dow kind of like master plan. We can come back to the Hindenburg if you want, but yeah, no, no, I want to hear peak, the rest of the Hindenburg. A peek into the master plan is like so first, we're going to start with all the normal stuff. We're, we have, we're working on a video game called Blimp Tycoon that's going to like star tycoon-esque, some might even call them Trumpian figures who are like trying to establish their blimp empire mm -hmm. in the teeth of op ruthless opposition. Yep. Um, so we'll start with that kind of on that level, right? And so the idea is you start there. And it's and like then each, each tycoon is kind of like a different, like it's like a fighting game. Like they're each like slightly different, but they're all kind of Trumpian. Like it's- Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's, or so they're, they're trying to build their- be, Like what if you had it be real- like it's literal tycoons from history. Like, what if you had like Henry yeah. Ford as one of the? You could play as Henry Ford or play as yeah, Cody, yeah, yeah. Play yeah. as uh, as uh, Hearst, George Hearst. You know, like those are there's hugely. I mean, and this this beautiful country we're in is like it's the home of the tycoon, right? It's yeah, like like you we know about the, the there's the train tycoons. There's the there's been like mining tycoons. Like if you've been to Montana, it's like the Copper Kings, like yeah. all this shit and you know, it's like clearly the next step is blimp tycoons. Like it's just a natural evolution, right? It's just, um, it's funny. There's no, no plane tycoons except for Branson to his credit, but he's kind oh, of like a bigger, and the, the bigger. Southwest guy. He was a plane tycoon. 
That's true. That's true. That, yeah, I mean, and there's some lessons to be learned from the playing industry. I think it's not all yeah. bad. You know, so it's like, um, so the idea though is that then then we transition into smaller run um, IRL events. You know, so I think that the, probably the most obvious that I think is really a cool idea is to have luxury blimp ecotourism. So just to come back to like the, the genesis of this original idea, like El Salvador is a beautiful country, has very varied landscape. It's really hard to get around, as you can imagine, by by car. But it's like in Central America, you could very easily get picked up in a blimp in San Salvador, take a blimp up to one of these beautiful, the, the volcanoes are amazing because they're like lush tree covered. It's right. Like mountains above the clouds and shit. Take a blimp up there, hang out there. Then take that same blimp down to a secluded beach that has no access otherwise. And because it's a blimp, it can be moored to all these places. And, you know, on board the blimp, you know, it could be a pleasure blimp. You know, it's like you could have casino, you could have uh topless sushi bar, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so the thing is, is like, the, the women playing saxophone that's the thing that i'm like i don't know why i'm very like very uh, female, so, saxophone players. female saxophone players okay. <laughs> um so so this kind of like luxury blimp ecotourism i think is very i mean there you could even be diving out of the blimp into you know the ocean there's no I reason mean, why you can't the have thing a little... is what's so amazing about your saying is like if you had this the demand for it would be insane everyone insane. would want to do this and, and so, so so okay so before we get too far away from this though yeah why do we not have this can we go back and just tell the rest of the hindenburg yeah so the hindenburg right you basically have this thing where um the hindenburg exploded the 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 envelope of the hindenburg where the where the um the air is, the gas is exploded, and um, I think about oh, twenty is something. The Hindenburg, a German thing? Wait, what? Yeah, is, where yeah. Is so it was it? part of the Zeppelin fleet. So there, there, there was a there was a whole fleet of these Zeppelins that were, were flying back and forth from Germany to all major points, and so it was already this like huge stick in the eye of America and so what forth year? because it's like this. I think. Um, I mean, the Zeppelin. It went right up to the sort of eve of World War II. Okay, so this is like pre World War II. They have these great yeah, films. yeah. Okay, I could be getting. I'm not a great date guy, but that's kind of like the the, the yeah. main uh, sort of uh, outline. And then, so that's happening, right? You're providing. So, but but it is like I said, different. It's more like a cruise ship, and so it's like you know, you have a dining area, you have these like nice sleeper cars or sleeper things, etc. So at some point, um, the Americans blockade um, start to basically like doing um, economic controls on the Germans, et cetera, and so forth, um, which led to the, um, the, uh, the Hindenburg using more hydrogen than it normally did um, because it couldn't, whatever. Um, so basically what you have in the Hindenburg disaster was this uh, Zeppelin that was not even really much off the ground exploding and then a whole bunch of people got off and like 20 something crew members died um, but really what happened was this media event about the tragedy of the Hindenburg and the fam very famous pictures etc and so forth which were at the time propagated almost immediately meaning like if you go back through it the kind of narrative about the Hindenburg being this kind of like the end of this era is 
present like from the day that the disaster happened if that makes sense because the west was really excited about it because we were like haha they fucked up this shit doesn't exactly 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 and so it's sort of like but like the, the the way in which the narrative formed by even the reporters is like so clean that you're yeah. like, okay, clearly this is an op. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like in in the in the original broadcast, you have the guy saying, "This is the end of Zeppelin Trap." It's like that he's supposedly watching this happen, right? It's like, come on, you don't you, like anyone watching a train accident doesn't say this is the end of train yeah. travel, right? right? But something um, similar did happen with the Concorde, right? It's like. For some reason, these air travel things are very impactful to people. It's like, yeah, it's like you can get a million that's car true. accidents, but for some reason, one plane accident, and it's like, oh my god, that's true. Although there are a lot of plane accidents, uh, yeah, no, uh, I, yeah, but that's weird. but I think that um, so so it's interesting to kind of look into that, and and what's what's even more interesting is that a lot of like a lot of these quote unquote conspiracy theories, there was a lot more divergence in right after it. Like right after, there's actually like a few movies made that take for granted that it was an act of sabotage, oh, really? because it's actually that was like a thing that everyone thought was that a communist, a German communist, had sabotaged it, right? Um, to I mean, because at that point, like we didn't actually give a shit about the Germans, really. It was more that the that the uh, communists in Germany were feuding, right? So it's sort of like yeah. it was actually taken as a given that yeah, it was like a it was a it was an act of sabotage on the part of the communists to hurt the the german government right yeah and so at the time that was actually like very much part of the narrative but then like all these things later it gets sort of like flattened into that oh it happened because blimps are a inferior technology which is clearly not true on i mean it has like a different um feature profile but everything does right it's, it's like yeah. like a bike versus a train i mean everything's slower or faster it's like that's different but the idea that it's like objectively worse is just false. It's just an it's just a narrative, and it became this like huge. Like I said, like it's like almost like an in, immovable narrative in a lot of people's minds. And, and but but it's like everything else where there's a narrative first, and then come the kind of post hoc rationalizations. Yeah. Oh, it's because this. Oh, it's because that. But it's because of the narrative, and then people make up the reasons after the fact. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny. It's crazy. Um. Okay, so. That's what happened with the Hindenburg. And since the Hindenburg, basically, there's been no no attempts at, uh, is that the way, like... So, it's interesting because a lot of the stuff, like, it's like everything becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Where it's like, people don't go into it, so they don't make them, so now they're too expensive. And, you know, it's like, no shit. No, it's expensive because you're making one of them, you know. Yeah. yeah, No economy of scale and stuff. But what's interesting is that, like, they're actually using a lot of smaller domains still, and a lot of the stuff that from that went into weather balloons, which are like a huge thing. Um, so weather balloons, like a lot of the satellite um, surveillance that happens, happens not on satellites but on weather balloons because it's much better fidelity. You can move them anywhere; it costs nothing to put them in the air. Um, so it's sort of like uh, a lot of it's gone into that, and those use helium. By the way, so it's interesting. I'm sorry, hydrogen. And so it's funny. One of the narratives about the Hindenburg, oh, they use hydrogen, and blah, 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 it's flammable. But like, there has been exactly zero of these things that have f- exploded in this, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Uh, weather balloons and stuff like that. A lot of things use hydrogen, they don't explode all over the place. Toyota wants to put a hydrogen fuel cell car yeah, to combat climate change, and no one's like, oh, it's going to explode because. It actually turns out that if you're not an idiot, it's about as flammable, 
you know, you manage it like anything else. Yeah. The gasoline is also, you know, will explode, but we right. still drive cars full of it. And so, um, so there's still like a lot of this technology has been kind of like bumping around in the weather balloon industry in the surveillance industry. There's a couple of smaller ones that are doing kind of like um, almost space tourism. Cause you can get, you can get a blimp. And I keep saying blimp, but really it's like a dirigible rigid airship thing. Blimp's just a funny word. Yeah. Like up right up to kind of like um, low earth orbit essentially. So yeah. you can like basically almost take it to space, right. Until the atmosphere gets too thin. Um, so there's like a, a few people pursuing this. And like I said, Sergey Brin, to his credit, has brought a lot of that stuff together. So there's a lot of people that are kind of like getting back in the industry. So, and military applications, there's a lot of military applications. A lot of like forward operating bases use essentially a blimp um, as their surveillance platform. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, you know, so they'll go somewhere and they'll basically put up these uh, blimps that will cruise around and basically yeah. like do surveillance. So, it's the it's Chinese not nowhere. balloon. The Chinese balloon. Yeah, the, I mean, the Chinese balloon thing is like a bigger thing than people understand, but it's also like a foregone conclusion that they have balloons over the United States. Like, it's of yeah. course they fucking do. Yeah. Everyone does. Yeah, everybody has balloons. Except for us, dude. Where are we balloons? balloons? Like you and me. <laughs> it's like, where are we balloons? Personally, don't have balloons. Uh, okay, so then, uh, all right. So this is pretty much what's going on with BlimpDAO. Um, and you're, you're just experimenting with trying to... Uh, get people interested in, in this again. And the, yeah. first, and then there's going to be events, there's a game, then events, and then hopefully that will lead to... Well, well, the idea, right, is that like, if we can do it at kind of like, I think leading, like a lot of things, leading with a like a luxury, small number thing is ideal. Yeah. Because then you can work out the kinks and blah, blah, and you don't have to convince a million people. But it's like, once you can do that, like, why don't we have small blimp sort of like shuttle lines that run in places that have poor internal transport. So you can like Central America would be a great, I mean, like it, it, getting from San Salvador to like, you know, whatever the coast of Honduras, it's like, takes a long time. Right. I mean, it's like one of these where it's like another thing that could be a loss leader doesn't need to, you need to make all your money there, but you can kind of get the experience of executing this stuff. And then, then you start to grow into like these bigger, bigger volumes. Yeah. Like just have an El Salvador blimp fleet. And telling you. are the Bukele's down for this? I'm trying to, I'm trying, if anyone has his number, let me know. Because I'm like, I, I, I will give him Blimp Force One is, yeah, has your name Blimp on it. Force Naib. One, just traveling around yeah. on Blimps. It also Get is kind of me. fitting for that. Isn't that like where the Darien Gap is too? Like yeah, down exactly. there somewhere? Yeah. So it's like, you I don't know if it's in, blimp. it's in South, Central America. I don't know what countries it's actually. I don't think it's in El Salvador, yeah. but it's in, I think it's in Panama or something, but it's, uh, it's still like that whole part of the world is known for impassable, you know, kind of like impassable. Well, you could have cargo blimps that could just go from one side of the gap to the other back and forth. Like that would be a yeah. simple, because right. that's another way that we could get in is like, like transport. And this is actually a thing that people are doing more. This is a more of a real thing is like heavy transport. Cause like the lift of these things is quite significant. So if you need to just carry like huge tankers from place to place, it's a good option. Yeah. So that's another one that we can do. That would be a smaller, you know, like smaller volume. You don't want a volume out the gate. Like that sounds terrible to me. You want to be like a few clients, right. That know what to expect that blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and so transport's a great one of those. Uh, that's another option we could do. So the idea is like, I mean, it's kind of an interesting, I guess, business model from my perspective is like you start to work on the, on the kind of narrative stuff before 
you do it. This is what I mean almost when I said meme first engineering. I like that idea of like, try out the idea. Does anyone even like, like the idea, even just as an idea? Because if they don't, it's like, you're not going to then spend zillions of dollars and build it. And they like, oh, I hated it as an idea, but I love that. You know, that's very, yeah. very rare. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. Meme first engineering. It's a good word. It's interesting. Interesting word. Um, okay. So let's talk in a little bit of time here uh, about Urbit. So again, Urbit is an exact, Urbit, why don't you just tell us what Urbit is? <laughs> <laughs> what urban is yeah why don't you tell us whatever it is the hardest yeah, yeah. Uh, the hardest yeah exactly just the, it, that's like the the uh <laughs> what is it? it's like the triple crown of explaining shit no urban is i mean urban is simple right urban is a is a network of personal servers that so simple <laughs> and, and what that means is it just it, it it operates in the way the internet was supposed to work whereas instead of having just an account you have a whole computer yeah and so that enables sort of basic social stuff that we all recognize like group chat rooms and blah blah and document sharing etc but also potentially more than that meaning like if, it, if you have uh, an entire computer instead of just an account then you can have that have your private keys and it can do crypto transactions on your behalf you can have that um uh interface with other a apis for example like twitter and etc on your behalf it could aggregate your emails, et cetera, and so forth. So it's sort of like um, it, it up to a certain point, it looks just like a thing that where you have an account that you log into, but you reach a point where like, oh, this is an entire computer at my command. And the idea is that it's architected in a different way so that it's simple enough that people can, that, that that's not just a huge burden on your life to have a computer that you have to run. Um, and that's kind of like the vision of where we're going. Well, and it's also not a computer like a desktop. It's a computer like a operating system, but that's not yeah. Exactly like it's a, it's a virtual it's a virtual computer, it's so virtual. it can run anywhere. Yeah, yeah, it can run anywhere. Yeah, it's there's so many things about it that are that but but technically, but I mean, what's interesting is like it's also a community, right? It's like also the kinds of people that work on such a weird thing. It attracts a lot of very interesting people, um, and I think that's like one of the interesting things about the project is that symbiosis where people are like, Oh, I just want to come on Urbit because there's blimp and I want to hang out in blimp And they're like, Hey, we could use X, Y, Z feature. And they're like, I'm going to try to build it. And it's just like, you have this feedback effect between the community and the software itself. So you need both. Right. I mean, it's interesting. It's like, I think people see now, I mean, it's like, of course it's obvious, but the community of who uses your stuff really matters. Like if you have no community, you have no users, you certainly don't have any like alpha users who are going to try out your new thing. Like, I mean, like, look at this Twitter threads, like whatever. It's like, like you could have the exact same features. The features don't fucking matter. It's the, pe it's the people that use it that matter. And I think it's like, so Urban is very unique in that it's this very ambitious soft software project, but it also has this community of a few thousand people that use it all the time for stuff like BlimpDAO, et cetera. Um, that have this kind of like that are now committed to its future so that makes the whole thing go along even though it's a very complicated long technical thing so how would you describe so orbit absolutely has a fantastic community attached to it i've been a part of it and you know the <clears throat> it is You're fantastic really a, it is really a place to meet a lot of like-minded people but how would you say that orbit has like 
how and why has Urbit been able to attract such a thriving community? Well, I think it's because, honestly, historical accidents, you know, it's really, that's really what it comes down to. Um, meaning that, like, at the very beginning, it was so ambitious that most people were like, why would you even waste your time with this kind of, th-? you know, it's like, so it's, it, it has a, um, it's the cult hit in the same way that like, Rocky Horror Picture Show is a cult. It, was, like, it has that kind of, like, right. thing. And I think the Rocky kinds of people that picture are, show of SAS. Exactly. Um, <laughs> it's, not, it's not a SAS, but yeah. Not SAS, but whatever. Um, <clears throat> is like what attracted me to it. And I think what actually attracted a lot of people to it and continues to attract people to it is that it is, of course, a technological thing. You know, it's like, like Zoom is or like a computer, whatever. They're all tools and um, but it was like right at the beginning, you can tell that it has a very distinct aesthetic and, and I won't get into it. People want to like look at urbit.org. You can tell what I mean. I'm not going to get into what that aesthetic is, but it's like the first time for a lot of people that they like see a technology project that is unabashedly aesthetic and not aesthetic in the way that like. I mean, like, you know, vaporwave, not like an aesthetic. It's just like that, that puts the aesthetic decisions at the forefront, if that makes sense. Like, and I think that people act like other software doesn't have an aesthetic, but it just has a shitty aesthetic. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, so it's almost yeah. like yeah. Urbit is like, you might not agree with, you might like not like its aesthetic, but it's like undeniable that the kinds of people it attracts think about that, you know? Yeah. And so I think that it's the first time a lot of people, sort of experience that like but what's interesting is that if you talk to people who build things like for real not like work a day like you know fang jerk offs it's like people who like build things that they actually like you know they're like i built this why'd you build it because i wanted it why does it look the way it does because i think it looks cool because it's elegant they'll answer with like an aesthetic reason yeah they won't answer you with like oh this was the you know a game theoretically best you it's like no one fucking thinks like that you know yeah it's like at the end of the day it has to have this aesthetic appeal to even just you right yeah. it's like why people's wood shops are put together a certain way it's like that and so i think for a lot of people it's the first time they encounter software that has that that doesn't make any bones about it yeah, because other people do that, and they they have this bad faith about it. Like if they admit that it's aesthetic, that'll make them less engineers or something. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like this like like anti aesthetic, and that's actually just like bad faith because everyone has an aesthetic. It's just a matter of if it's good or not. And so, I think that so it attracts those type of people. I wish there are a few in the world, but not as few as you'd think. And so I think well, it, it attracts that, that kind of person. Just so people understand what we're talking about. It's not just the aesthetic skin of Urbit, which is well, very, very well designed and very highly yeah. advanced and, and beautiful um, in its own right. But it's also literally the code itself is aesthetically beautiful, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's the only code. Or aspires where to be at least, you know? That's the only code I've ever heard anybody talk about as like literally beautiful yeah. in and of itself. It's like the, and yeah. the, I think that, you know, I've been trying to tell this story of Urbit for so long. And I think that um, there's so many different elements of it, but really the person that helped me to understand this the best was when Trent 
I, I just kept trying to be like, well, why do you care about this? Why do you care about this? Why do you care about this? And yeah. it was just like, as an engineer, you have to understand you're looking at code all day. It looks like shit. It's all this stuff that's built on top of each other. It's like some little fix to another little fix. It's just layers of fixes on top of each other, blah, blah, blah. When you look at Urbit, you in as an engineer, you instantly understand what this thing is because you see the code and you go, oh shit, this is how yeah. code should be built on top of itself. So it's like you're seeing something under the hood that 99% of people never yeah. see. And that's really the root of of the beauty of Urban, I think. Yeah. And I think that that it and so it's like the question is why does it have the community it has? Because like at the base of it are people that think that's cool. You yeah, know? yeah. They think that Meaning people who are like holistic. Right. Yeah. And it, so it ends up being this like a holistic person who's just like, you know, I mean, the way I say it is like, imagine this. I mean, now it's like almost a commodity, but like Apple-esque designed piece of hardware, like a Sonos, something like kind of like, like apes that kind of, you know, like smoothness and whatever. And you look at it and like clearly a lot of industrial design went into that, you know, but then you open it up and it's just a rat's nest it's of wires trash, and no one exactly. gives, right? It's trash. But it's like, imagine if you opened it up and it was like labeled and like the wires were not, <laughs> it you know, was it's, nice it's like, inside, but yeah. it's like, and that's right. actually the mark of a true craftsman is that you care about the elements that no one's going to see. Right, which is right. goes back to, and it's so funny because all, which goes back to Jobs designing the inside of the computers, but it, it's also funny because this entire movement of what pretty much all my clients are in different ways, which I call the new natural. Right, the mm -hmm. old natural was taking this pretty crappy or just normal project product and then painting like we are the world on top yeah, of yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and it's like oh, the, buy it and we'll help the you know the the black children of somewhere. Uh, whereas what we're doing, which is this more like libertarian version of the same thing is we're flipping that around where like masa chips fixes the inside of chips. It's like, it says yeah, 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 the exactly. inside of chips is disgusting. We're going to fix that. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have another yeah. client that's doing that with like water filters. It's like, you yeah. know, really advanced water filters. They work with salt. They're so complicated. You got to like press buttons and shit. It's like, you got to replace the salt. It's a, the most complicated thing in the world. Whereas they've gone and made it like a natural water filter from the inside out. But it's very hard to tell that story because you're, people aren't used to like thinking that way. You know, they're, they're so used to being yeah. lied to about the, yeah, that's a really good way to put in it, yeah. the product. And it's funny that Urban is basically doing that same thing. And, and it's well, well, and it's like, I think that, so that, that, I mean, the idea that everything in your life can have an aesthetic. Like I said, it's not about the particular aesthetic. It's just that someone made an aesthetic decision. And that's what really aesthetics even means is like attention to detail, right? It's like how I write my emails matters. How I tie my shoes matters. It's like, that's just like, like that's what it means to have to an aesthetic taste, right? And that just is almost like, synonymous with having a beautiful life or a, or approaching your life in such a way that everything has the potential for beauty. And it's like, that's like synonymous, right? I mean, if you don't even care about something, how's it going to be beautiful? Yeah. Or, you know, work of your hands. And so it's like one of those things where, so it's interesting because a lot of people think that, oh, Urbit is this kind of like pastiche of these engineers and some artsy people and some like edge lords and some, you know, it's like, but really I think that's kind of what unites them all is that idea that like you actually, I mean, cause you can live your life in a beautiful way. Even if you're just typing words in a computer, it's like, those can be, 
you know, something that we think is beautiful, like Hoon, that could be a, la we invented a language so that you can have that kind of aesthetic experience. And I get, like, it's hard for me to really, like, I think people think I'm exaggerating when it's like, this is, does not happen. It does not happen. It's, it's not a thing in the world. Like, like, insofar as there's creative technology, aesthetic technology, it's usually people making aesthetic things with technology, yeah, not yeah. making the technology itself uh, aesthetic. And so it's like, I believe that's the core of Urbit. And that's what like unites all these people, even if they can't articulate that. Yeah. You know, it's just like the kind of, so it's in an environment where it's like, people are considerate, not like considerate, like nice, but they've considered things. Like you can just have a discussion about anything. And it's like someone will come at you with like a very well thought out idea. And that attracts a lot of people. And I think a growing number of people because it's an attractive way to live. I mean, my life is awesome. And my life is based on working on Urbit. You know, it's like, <laughs> it is. I, I don't I joke with my wife. I don't have to deal with like normal people that much. It's like, I, I don't, yeah. I, and I'm sort of like, I owe that to Urbit to a lot of, uh, to a large extent. And so that's possible. And I think that that's, that attracts a lot of people. For sure. All right. So let's finish with um, what's happening with Urban now. Like, what I know that um, there's an assembly coming up in Lisboa. And oh, you did good. Yeah, that was that was very that was a, Lisboa. Perfect Lisboa. pronunciation. Perfect. Uh, and um, you know, I know you guys have a bunch of different stuff going on. There's a bunch of different platforms, or you know, not platforms, a bunch of different projects that are being built on there. So, like, where is Urban now compared to where that Urban was in the past? So, Especially first after of all, Sam Frank's Red Scare episode, <laughs> in which he tried, where he pilled to, everybody, <laughs> tried very hard to. Um, uh, to, to he he walked so that Bap could run. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, he walked. Uh, so delicious tacos and Bap. We had all. Yeah, and Bap, right? Yeah, yeah, delicious. Uh, um. So. First of all, I am the host of a podcast called Zero K, oh, right, yeah. um, and I will give you the link, and you can put it in the show notes and everything. So that's actually a good way to get abreast of all the te technical, mostly technical developments on Urbit. Um, Zero K is in no ketamine, right? Zero, <laughs> out of because show. we ran out, not because we had none. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the whole goal is we do is all of our ketamine during get the show. to so, get yeah. to Zero K. Um, so. I mean, so in response to your your question, where's Urbit now? It's like compared to a year, year and a half ago, it's just like light, you know, light years ahead of where it was. I mean, a lot of the, I mean, one big thing is that Tlon's hosting product has come along so much that now getting on Urbit is basically like a sub minute affair that you can do on your phone, which is a thing that never was like, it's hard to explain how opposite it was before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's that's like a huge game changer because now it means it's like, you know, if people aren't getting on Urban, it's because they don't want to get on Urban, not because they can't, right? So we needed to get to that level. So yeah. that's where we're at now. Um, and so now the answer, right, is like, how do we get more people to want to be on Urban? And so um, a lot of that is is um, is these new companies that are working on all this new stuff. Um, the So right now we're running the uh, UAC, which is uh, the Urban Accelerator program so i'm involved in that so we have we had about 25 um applicants for three spots actually which was actually like very oversubscribed um to essentially get in this program that's ongoing right now where you get help from various mostly vcs and entrepreneurs who have worked before in the ecosystem like like backers of the project to work on 
bringing a project bringing a project from like zero to a demoable product and so they're all going to debut those at uh, urban assembly which will be really cool and so we're kind of like doing a little mini yc model uh, uh, y combinator model for that so there's like a whole bunch of new stuff that's going to come out of that we have um uh you know gather town is no what gather? okay it's like essentially like a like a, a video game that allows you to do meetings inside of it. So it's a little what, like Urbit used this almost like for our office. So you can kind of like see if people are around, blah, blah, um, and initiate chats. It's, it's, it's very good. It's, it's actually hugely successful as well. So really? we're Gather yeah, time. Uh, I've, I, yeah. I think I've maybe heard of this, but that's actually, so people actually use this thing. Huh? Yeah. I mean, the, the Urbit foundation uses it for a lot of stuff. Um, so that's, um, so we we have kind of a version, but like kind of the urban take on that. That's going to be just gather, not gather town. Just gather. Gather period town is the uh, URL. Period. Oh, That's there it is. Yeah, gather period. Gather period town. Yeah, gather period. Gather town. Period um, town. And uh, so okay. yeah, nice. We have one guy who's working on a similar idea, but for urban, where basically it's like you can explore other people's planets, and you can so like your planet, your urban planet, which is like essentially your your account, will have its own little house virtual house that people can come visit and um it's it's very cool and like so that's actually going really well we have one guy doing that we have um another uh basically dev tools that will allow us to do more like if then that if this then that type stuff with your urbit so it'll make it less code essentially to customize your urbit um trigger actions <laughs> things of that nature and then um we also have a um a prediction market that's uh, being spun up, so that would allow you to put predictions on, you know, whatever um, the next Trump when the next Trump indictment is going to drop, <laughs> uh, things of that nature. And so, um, so those are the those are the three. And then we also have a couple other new companies. One's called Portal, and so Portal is essentially a um, a customizable feed, so it makes your your Urbit almost like the old, the good old days of Google Reader that'll feed aggregate all your stuff um so your urbit can be the front page of not just urbit but the whole internet for yourself um and then another one called vaporware that's a um that's uh nft play where you can buy an nft and um it will be backed by an urbit ship so that means that you can essentially have the way i say it is almost like back in the day we used to have like pokemon cartridges and you could train the Pokemon up and then sell the cartridge to someone else and they'd get that Pokemon that was trained up. Right now, NFTs, you can't do that because there's no state behind it. So Vaporware would allow that. So there's lots, I mean, like lots of new NFT. stuff. I don't know why we don't just say interactive NFT. Nobody wants Probably to the best way to say it. Yeah. I like to say Pokemon is always, I think it's Pokemon's always. an evergreen reference. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, so that... The, the, the question that I think most people have about Urbit is why so like all these things that you're creating on urban they're things that already exist right we already have all some do things, and some don't right i mean some the, do and vaporware some don't. is yeah. the exception what you just said there's no such thing as an interactive nft right that's true but all the other things that you're talking about are things that exist on web 2 or the existing web right so why is it exciting that they're being built on urban well some do and some don't um so like Feed aggregation is actually very hard to do in a centralized way because no service wants you to do it. Right. Basically. So that's actually one that also would be hard to do. Um, prediction markets functionally don't exist. Um, and, uh, and there's, 
there so that that's another one that would be unique to urbit um the other stuff like the gather town one for example it would allow you to do it in a more decentralized there's, there's a, i mean there's a couple of ways one when you start a gather town you essentially started as an organization um so you need like an office there's a lot of things like that where it's sort of like they exist but you have to kind of start a container first that makes sense so um the turf model which is this gather town uh, competitor it's like more of a, I mean, more of a individual first model, which is another way of saying decentralized, right? So it's more of like, um, so a lot of people don't like the idea of decentralization, like as a philosophy, they don't care, right? Which rightfully so. But I think it's like, there are things where right now they exist as a, you have to have like a team to set it up or you have to have like an office to set it up or a group to set it up. And it'd be, it'd be interesting if it was the opposite where basically it was a capability that you had that you could link to other people. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I think that's kind of like the, so some of this stuff sounds like a similar affordance to web two, but the way that you manage it and everything would be different. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then I, and then of course, like I, and, and to finish up, there's also a lot more community stuff going on, different groups starting up. I mean, blimped out being an obvious example of one um, that people come on just to chat in, just to hang out in, just to meet people in and stuff. So it's like, if you don't want to do any of that space age stuff, you can also just come on Urbit and chat. Yeah. And I think that that's for entry level people. I mean, as you know, it's funny that we've never actually talked about this Urbit, Urbit as a, as fundamentally an aesthetic, an aesthetic yeah. project. And I think that that's actually very resonant. You know, it's like that people who are interested in um building aesthetically beautiful things G generally urban is a great place on the internet to find those people and particularly yeah. those who are willing to make sacrifices for beauty <laughs> you know like people who are genuinely kind of reorganizing the digital world in a way that is not so hideous i mean for me another big uh moment was in understanding urban was like there's a and these are all things that like a normie doesn't know, but like there's a, a cartoon that is describing the way the internet works or the way the computer, yeah, the internet basically works. And it, it's like this Rube Goldberg machine of a million pipes that are like connected into each other. Right. And it's yeah. like, you know, here is ISPs, which are is some protocol that for whatever reason, here's HTTP, which is some protocol that we all use for whatever reason, right? I'm sure I'm saying yeah. this wrong, but there's all these things no, that we, ta you're good. we take for granted uh, that are part of our use of the internet. And we don't realize that each one of those things, it's not like people just think like those things just like exist, like they're just... You know, people have to maintain them. Though. Yeah, like, people have to maintain the, oh, yeah. the DNS servers. Like that, that's yeah, something yeah. that actually has to happen. Yeah. And a lot of this pile of code that the internet is is based on is like free projects that were made in like the 80s for some random reason yeah. or the 90s that like some yeah. guy in Norway is just like clicking a button. It's like lost. He's like clicking the button every 30 days. It's like if he doesn't click the button, like the entire internet collapses, yeah. you know, yeah. because there's just like some little tiny bit of code somewhere that the whole well, thing is, 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 is like standing on basically. Well, and I think it's one of those things where it's like, it's true to me, and I think to a lot of Urbit people, that there's no clean distinction between like things being aesthetic, being elegant, and that makes them more durable 
It's like you know, it's, yeah, it's like it's the same like thing. yeah, it's like it, a platonic form. Yeah, exactly. It's like Stonehenge. Stonehenge has been around for a long time. It's very simple. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like versus like some Zaha Hadid weird <laughs> thing that falls, you know? And so it's like, yeah. if you don't know what that is, like you're a healthy person. Sorry. Yeah. I, I, this little grad <laughs> school. Uh, female architect. But, but it's like, it's uh, it's one of those things where it's like, so, to, so I think to like, to the urban person, those are all like, valid things to talk about you know what i mean like and and, and i think that's like so it attracts people for who don't, they don't see those distinctions and that's why i think it's like yeah it attracts these kind of like unique people who attract more unique people right so it's like at the end of the day it may not be like on the top of their mind that when they use it all the time but it is the seed of the community Right, right. It's funny. We're just seeing this movement everywhere. You know, it's like this same thing is everywhere. And it's it's funny. It's like this is like this is the like cultural movement of our time. This this yeah. thing that we're talking about and everything is a reaction and it's a reaction to uh, basically the holding company index fund uh, economy, which yeah. has all these brands that we used to love now owned by some person in Belgium and they don't yeah. give a shit about them. You know, they don't care. They, they, and we're just, we're idiots. We're buying yeah. because of our memory of what this thing used to be, not because yeah. of like what it actually It's is. inertia. I mean, it's like, yeah. it's just like, I mean, the thing I always talk about is like topsoil, right? Like yeah. topsoil takes a long time to build up and it takes a very short time to get rid of Yeah, if you manage it uh, incorrectly and it's like what the dust bowl was about right and it's like a lot of these things just to talk about brands it's like basically people just like harvesting the topsoil right and they're it, it'll be gone it's going to be gone it's, it's ending right now already and so in all these things like be it an online community or a brand or this or that like you need to have the attitude of like you're building that rapport with people you're building because that's like really where good stuff comes from um and I think it's like one of those things where you people are learning that lesson. I think, I think that's kind of like what, I mean, you know, I don't want to sound like a consultant, but it's like, you know, online communities, online subcultures are the new brands, like obviously. Right. And then brands already tried to do this where they'd be like, let's make a discord to talk about our pants. You know, it's like, which is so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just like exactly a cringy right. thing to do. But yeah, like, yeah. actually I think, shows an insight you know they like but they tried to act on it but like they just couldn't because it was too fake so yeah but the react the, the opposite is true it's like you have Remelia, you have blimp dow you have whatever that are these online communities out of which a whole bunch of real things will come right and but like you couldn't have figured out what the real things were ahead of time because that's not how it works what how it works is like these people that build this lore and culture and aesthetic sense together. And then out of that comes fashion and music and art and technology and this and that. And so it's like, if you're going to invest in something, you should invest if you can in online, in whatever, in, in subcultures. And now they exist in an online slash offline form. It's like the online part is a very important part. And so it's like, but how I don't do you think that's get money back from a subculture. This is the question. NFTs. I mean, it's like literally. This is like really what an NFT is. If you think about like what what Remelia, 
what a, a milady is, what a star is, is like an investment in the culture of Urbit or the mm, culture of Romelia or whatever. Yeah. And so it's sort of like, do you think it's on the ascendant or it's on the descendant, right? And that's really all it is. Um, and so it's like, yeah, that's kind of like what NFTs actually are. No, people don't understand that that's, you know, it's like that's kind of the inner meaning of the NFT. Um, yeah, it just sucks. So, yeah, and that's the feature. Shitty, it just sucks that there's so many shitty DAOs, you know? Like, Why? But yeah, but it's like there's a lot of sh shitty everything, like, man. It's just like, that's yeah. just the, the whatever. If I believed in evolution, it'd be the Cambrian explosion of, you know, which, yeah. uh, or whatever it was, where it was like, you know, a million things are born and then most of them die. And then a few of them are, you know, successful. It's like, that's just like normal. It's just things sucking is part of the process, Isaac. <laughs> Right. All right, man. Well, uh, where should we uh, send people? This is always the question. Your podcast, Zero K. Zero K. I'll put a link for you in the show notes. Um, follow me on Twitter at Poldeck Tontag. Um, no longer the Combine. It, Formerly it, the oh, Combine. No longer, yeah, yeah. AK or, yeah. Nay the Combine. Nay the um, combine. And then I, uh, what was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, for BlimpDAO purposes, you can go to blimp.zone and, um, we have a few invites per day that you can snake there. You can join yeah. the Blimpdow group. Oh, okay. Nice. Join the glorious future in the skies. And so the main group, is it on Twitter or is the main group on Urbit? On Urbit. Um, there's just there's a small group chat on Twitter that's mostly just to help people get on Urbit. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Uh, cool, man. Thank you. Great talking, man. Peace.